Hey, hey, hey. Let's go ahead and dive right in to chapter nine of the childhood series. Everybody's got a story. One that has molded them into who they are. So here's my story. Ups and downs, good and bad. Take from it whatever lessons you choose. And if it doesn't pertain, just leave it. Come listening as I share my diary. Cause this is D's diary, D's diary, D's diary. So by this time, I'm still in Liberia and I've just finished the eighth grade because I went there halfway through eighth grade and we're basically done with the summer after eighth grade. So as school was about to start again, my dad had gotten my younger sister and I this, I guess it's like a nanny. <laughs> I'm not really, I don't really remember what it's called, but you know, she like fixed the food and did everything, you know, when we came back from school, you know, everything was prepared and whatnot. She was older. Ah, I can't even really, I can't really remember her age. I'm not sure if I even asked her, but she was older, maybe her 60s or something. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, there's a lot of struggling and stuff that goes on in a country such as Liberia, you know, low um, income and a high poverty rate and, you know, low education and stuff. So people's age is not really, um, I guess in a sense, it's like they're not really too old to do something when it comes to making money. So anyway, um, if I would have, if I was to guess, I would say she was probably like in her sixties. I don't know why I put her in her seventies, but she was this older lady. She was so kind. <laughs> and I remember the one of the funniest memories me and my younger sister always has. In Liberia, you know, I think I spoke about this in another episode. If not, there are always there are two seasons. Rainy season and dry season. And um, you know, during dry season is hot as I don't know what. <laughs> But during rainy season, other than the fact that it like rains a lot, we have like, I think that's the same time as like mango season. So we have all these mango trees and as it's raining and the world is basically shaking, <laughs> all the uh, mangoes start falling off the trees or like plums. So I remember one time we were all in the yard, uh, my younger sister and Mase, that was our nanny. She, um, we were all sitting like on the porch area and we were just, we were chatting about life, laughing about stuff. And it was raining heavy, but you know, it was that cool rain where it's like raining and the breeze is just hitting you. It's just, just right. And you're outside on the balcony, but you're not getting, you know, splashed or nothing. So we're all okay with it. And then it started like raining really heavy. You know, oftentimes they would take those big, um, like gallons or barrels and put it under the roof. 
where the it's raining just so we can get more um, water in it so the other guy we had that lived in the fence he went in grabbed the barrels he put it all under there so we can get some water so uh my say my younger sister and myself were just kind of sitting and it's raining it's getting really heavy and then all the <laughs> mangoes and stuff start falling off the tree so my younger sister and i jump to obviously go fight over <laughs> the mangoes and we didn't know my say was jumping behind us to to go try to grab it so all three of us just hop about the chair and we get to we get under the tree and everybody has like you know they're picking up as uh, many mangoes as they can get and we're like stuffing it you know we like folded our shirt over and we're trying to like stuff it in it <laughs> and at one time there was like this really huge mango that had fallen and i think me and my sister went and grabbed it and my say was trying to grab it too you know everybody was just in a moment it was already raining heavy we were getting soaked and it, i don't know we grabbed it and she, you know, she was like trying to push us for it. And then obviously we were younger, we had a little bit more strength. And I think she like fell down. <laughs> um, and she, like, you know, uh, a lot of African older ladies, you know, like we call them omas, a lot of African omas, they usually have like the, this little lapa wrap around them, you know, like the African cloth that's, you know, usually tied um, to cover, you know, the bottom or whatever the case is you can google it if you don't know what i'm talking about but so she had it on and then she like f fell in like this puddle <laughs> we were all laughing including her because like no one knows what happened you know and it's not like we really shoved her it's like everyone was slipping we all fell but it was easier for my younger sister not to get up so we're like come on Masa, let's get out the ring she's just there laughing and then she <laughs> she runs on the balcony i think she probably got like four uh, mangoes and my sister and i probably got like six or so and then she's like oh my goodness <laughs> y'all fighting me for mango business so in like liberian english you're like oh my people, y'all fighting me for plum business. You're not going to throw me down. My lapara before me. So she's basically saying like, oh, y'all threw me down just to try to grab some mangoes. And now my little lapa done fell off me or whatever. And, you know, we're all just sitting there laughing. So we're like, oh, how many mangoes did each person get? So we're just like, oh, do y'all want us to just put it together and just kind of like, you know, eat until we all get full? So I think that's what we ended up doing, like washing all the mangoes together. And then we just... uh sat there and took one at a time after like two or three mangoes your stomach's like rattling because it's it's the naturals not no force to get right mango that's in the western hemisphere but it was so juicy and we just you know laughed about it and then she waited until the rain went home and she went home um what i say she waited <laughs> until the rain was over and then she went home because most of the time she would come really early in the morning about maybe 6 or 7 a.m. and then leave in the evening and she had such a impact on my life you know it's so weird how people um, become part of your family you know the first day or so we met her even though she was you know still nice so we my sister and I know you know we we liked her being around but when you first meet someone, you don't know the extent to which they'll become part of your world, 
part of your chapter, your diary, you know? And for the rest of the time I was in Liberia for the next year and a half or two years or so, um, she was with us the whole time, you know? And she became like my grandma, you know, it was just beautiful. So we started, you know, the summer, everything was over and I started ninth grade. And this time when I went to ninth grade, I had uh, another friend of mine who actually became friends in the school I was going to. He had just came from the States. So all that, I guess, American teasing I went through the year prior now it was his turn, <laughs> and I was part of the group. You know, I was like, "Oh, now I'm, I'm with the in crowd, knowing how to speak the Liberian English or whatever." You know, it was just, um, you know, good old fun or whatever. And when he first came to the class, you know, they were like, "Oh, please introduce yourself." And he was talking, and then the teacher was like, "Oh, you're on a series, better rest in. Do you in a series that she came with last year?" <laughs> So, in other words, for those who might not understand, they were basically saying his American accent was extra okra-like. And they couldn't understand it. So, they will always be like, do you please interpret for us? Because this thing, your French speaking, we don't understand it. So, I was like, oh, how you my friend? I said, oh, y'all come from America. Oh, y'all know each other. So, y'all friends. <laughs> but he ended up, he and I ended up being really, really good friends. Even to this day, that's one of my closest friends so you know ninth grade was basically you know same old stuff you get used to all the new people that come in and I don't know sorry I'm just kind of like reminiscing on the beauty of the experience you know when you're in the experience obviously as I stated in the last episode your mind doesn't always find a way to interpret the situation with beauty it's always the the pain of it or the questions of it, you know, but I just met so many incredible people. The friendships, the bonds, the experiences, the laughter, you know. And I remember I yeah, was it ninth grade? Yeah, ninth grade we had this track and field competition within like um the county with the different schools and stuff and you know before I left I was running track and field and I wasn't even sure if they had in Liberia but it's not really something I looked into but I guess they there was this lady in California you know she's a descendant of Liberia also and she was trying to sponsor the Liberian athletics when it came to track and field because she had ran track back in the day. So I guess she was having like this competition where all she wanted um, all the schools and stuff to run so that they can find some athletes to go, you know, represent Liberia in uh, the world championships. So we all went to this. They asked in the school, you know, who was interested in going. And then, you know, because I had played other sports in the school, they were like, oh, maybe... Um, D wants to go. So, um, well, all the other athletes who were interested in the track and field part, everybody had volunteered. So we went there um, at the competition at the same 
SKD Stadium, if y'all remember from like episode one or two during the wartime. We went there and that's where we like had the competition, you know, and those those kids were fast. It's so unfortunate when it comes to children who live in third world countries, but it's so unfortunate the level of talent and you have kids who are you know very athletic when it comes to playing soccer or running track or even boxing like when you just see the talent that's there and and even the ones that are just you know smart in math and the sciences when they build things together and create it you be like oh my goodness but when they don't have the means to allow their talents to show you know it's so unfortunate because the world really loses out on great innovations. You know, there are things those kids probably have in their mind to create that the world may never get a chance to experience just because they're in a country that lacks resources, you know, because of no fault of their own. Last time I checked, the continent of Africa, they didn't just rise up one day and say, you know what? We're all just going to be poor. But, you know, I'll keep my political speech for another day. But those kids had, those kids were fast on the track, man, especially those long distance runners. I never bothered with the long distance. I, I didn't even go try out for that. But they, and the thing is, they were so tenacious. Like when it came to training, you know, because we were told like months before there was this event coming up. When you saw them training and their dedication, it was just so, um, I guess, inspiring. And speaking about tenacity, you know, one thing that really stuck with me was the level of determination in these kids. You know, we're all kids, but I remember someone I went to school with one time, you know, the thing about in Liberia, kids naturally chose to compete to be number one in class. It wasn't like, oh, we need you all to be number one to prove something to the board or to make the school look good. I mean, that was all part of it too, but literally just in the class, just for someone to be like, oh, I have the highest grade. They were all like everyone would compete against each other in all the subjects. And just seeing them actually working to get that. Like no one was forcing them to do their homework or anything like that. Like they just naturally did it and they were so smart. And I remember one of my classmates, I was talking to them and I think we we're sitting in class. It was one of those free periods where nothing was really going on. And I was just like, oh, you know, um, like, where do you live? What part of the city? And he said, I was like, oh, I I think I heard that's like a bad area or something. He was like, yeah. I was like, oh, do they have like electricity and stuff there? And, you know, in Liberia, um, I think I noted this before. During that time, it was like 2004 or five and stuff. A lot of places was mostly using generators. So if you unfortunately didn't have a generator in your house for electricity, you're using like candles or stuff like that. And you know, they would have street lights here and there popping up somewhere. 
So I was talking to him. I was like, oh, you know, um, I heard it's like a bad area or whatever the case is. So we just talking. He was like, yeah. So I was like, oh, but at least you get to study in the night when they put the generator on because, you know, unbeknownst to me, not everybody had a generator, you know, like I did in, um, at my house. Or I should say my dad's house. I wasn't paying no bills. But he was just like, oh, no, you know, they have, there's a street light not too far from my house. So usually um, after class when he's done going to help his parents like sell and do stuff you know how you have like people pushing wheelbarrows and all this stuff selling stuff he's like after he's done when it's getting late and he goes puts everything in for the night he goes and sits under the the little street light and study you know um so he he was just kind of talking to me talking to me about that experience he was like yeah you know i um you know they have light there a little while sometimes in the night it goes off so that's the only time I get to do uh, my homework. And then I'm like, wow, you know, he's like, yeah, because they have like, you know, oftentimes when you have the light, there's always like all these bugs and everything. So I was like, doesn't the bugs bother you just sitting there? He's like, yeah, but what else can I do? He's like, sometimes they don't put the light on that night. He said, usually I try to get a candle and, you know, my candle runs out before I can finish my other subjects and stuff like that. He said that usually starts hurting my eyes so my eyes been hurting and I'm just sitting there you know listening to this story and I'm just thinking like wow that's inspiring like you know in other parts of the world there are people who have you know free education you know, in Liberia, they pay school fees. So every year, depending on the school you're going to, it's not like in the Western world where it's public school and you just kind of automatically are enrolled in school. You know, your parents have to pay for your school fees or someone sponsors you or something of that sort. And um, speaking of that, I will have information on other episodes about um, some networking I've been doing and some incredible um uh, Liberian people this one Liberian girl who both she and I went to school she's starting this foundation um, to sponsor Liberian kids for scholarships and stuff like that so I'll share that information just if anyone's interested you know where a school fee over there could be about 500 a year 1200 a whole year you know just for a kid to go to school if that's something you're interested in um, I'll share the information um, in another episode or so or once I can get this blog thing set up and we're we're able to interact more, then you know that information can be provided. But anyway, I digress. She, um, he was talking about, you know, everything that happened. I'm just sitting there like, wow, that's so inspiring because you have countries where people are going to school for free. And they don't want to go to school. They're skipping school. They're they don't want to learn. They're complaining about it. And you have people who after school they're going to push well barrels up and down the street for a couple of hours and then late at night just because it's dark they park you know their um their stuff they were selling and then they still go take a shower and go sit under the lamp or use a candle and I just it was a whole other level of inspiring and you know it's so once again unfortunate that 
you know, the Western world feels as if people in those countries are like dumb and stupid and stuff like that. And the reason why I say that, because you hear people say it, you know, you, you hear people the other day, I was watching something about, um, with this interview, uh, someone in France was having with this Nigerian writer and they had the audacity to ask her, Oh, do they have, uh, books in Nigeria do people read in Nigeria and she looked at them she was like for you to ask me that question is shows very poorly on France because this is 2021 you know how can you even muster up the courage to ask me something like that so it just goes to show what other people in other parts of the world think of you know, people in countries like Liberia, Nigeria, you know, Haiti, all these all these countries. And it's so unfortunate because some of the most brilliant people I've ever met came from this country. It's not a bias because I'm African or I'm of black descent or anything. It's, it's what I've seen. You know, even when it came to, let's say, math, whereas in I guess countries that are not considered third world, whatever world they're in, where they're like, you know, oh, we have this math problem for you to do. What's well, 10 plus 10? And everybody grabs a calculator to whatever. In Liberia, when I was there, your girl learned math all the way with no calculator. Like it was straight up using a dome. And it was so interesting, like whether you were doing graphing, whether like you learn how to do math with a paper, we didn't have calculators to use, but you still did it. And which was so interesting because when I left Liberia and came back to the States, I didn't need a calculator to do math. And every time the teacher would like write something when I was in college, she would write something on the board. She'd be like, okay, I'll give you all of, she was like, who wants to guess? Or I'll give you all about 10 minutes to work on this. And I look at the problem, put my hand up. I'd be like, that's two X plus five. She'd be like, oh, how did you know that? I'd be like, I just know, you know? So I just find it very ironic that people who may seem to have less of an opportunity are considered dumber or whatever the case is to other people. Whereas sometimes they're the most brilliant people because even without the resources, the privileged first world has, they still make a way, they still find a way, you know? That conversation with my um, fellow student really woke me up and it made me think about earlier when I spoke about my English teacher my English reading teacher I had in the states before I went to Liberia before she's like you know what you know you're you're smart don't be following the crowd one day you're you know one day you're going to be sitting there and the light bulb is going to come off or the light bulb is going to turn on and things are going to make more sense to you. you. know, it was one of those moments that like her words came back to me like don't take things for granted. You know, oftentimes when we're so caught up in our own 
stories and pain, woe me, why they send me back, why this, you know, all that stuff. It It is sad. It is whatever. You can't take away anybody's pain from how they interpret something. But just to see someone else's ability to persevere, it just wakes up strength within you. And I think that's why I believe so strongly that when God really created all of us, it was because we all function better together. It's true human beings are fickle and evil and like to gossip and do all this stuff, but they're also kind and considerate and, you know, all these things. And each of us, our stories help the next person. You know, no one's story is more important than the other. Everyone's story plays a role at a certain time and it's supposed to touch whoever's lives is supposed to touch and the ones whose life is not supposed to touch when they find their person whose you know life story impacts them then it impacts them and then they take their story and go share it and so on and so forth and that year that ninth grade year I learned a lot I learned a lot from a lot of people because you know I was at that point where I had been there about a year and I was you know, the pain of just being shipped on a plane, shipped on a plane, just being (laughs) sent on a plane to Liberia, the pain was still an underlying pain. But now I was adjusting to just being in Liberia, you know, to being Liberian, to making genuine friendships, not just sitting there Every day like I did when I was younger and I was friends sent there. Like, when am I going back to the States? OMG. Now I was enjoying the friendships, you know, learning the the accents, building really long lasting relationships that some I still have to this day. Or even when I go visit Liberia and I run into some of my old classmates, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's good? What's happening? You know, and it's just still an amazing interaction. I just learned that a lot of things we take for granted because they're so accessible. Some people fight tooth and nail to get it. And even if they can't, they still find the means because they're that determined. In closing this episode, I challenge all of us to look at the opportunities we have every day whether it's running water a switch to just flick the light on and off or a heating and cooling system where we can adjust the temperature as we please you know or we can just go to the dollar store and buy a notebook or buy a calculator and all this stuff i challenge us to just really take a look evaluate all the resources we have and Ask ourselves if we're really making the use of it. Or is it because it's within arm's reach that we just don't care? What if we lost all of this within a blink of an eye? What if we're living in a different country that didn't have this? And I know it's a lot harder to imagine not having when you do have, but just what if? And will that thought inspire us to help someone who 
quote unquote may be less fortunate than us because we feel like we've been so blessed to have, you know, when we took the time to say, you know, well, let me sponsor a kid to go to school. If they're going to go sit under a street light for four or five hours or sit under a candle for four or five hours, just to get an education, what role can I play? You know, it doesn't have to be in Africa or anything like that. It can be in your own city, your own backyard, because even here in the U.S., there's a high poverty rate in all these states. So no one's saying take your resources and go overseas. That's the only place you can help. But, you know, for those of us who do come from there, those are the thoughts we ought to start having. Because if we're not doing anything about a situation, why do we feel the need to have such a strong opinion of how it should change? What role should we play in it, you know? But I'll go ahead and close this episode. See y'all next time. Thank you once again for taking your time to listen in. I know no one's obliged to anybody, so I appreciate you taking your time and I look forward to sharing next time. Till then, God bless.